Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right, guys. So here this morning, we're uh, continuing on in our series, and it's Essentials, and we're going to look at Expectant Hope. And uh, hope is a powerful attitude of the heart that we should have in our lives, and it's a significant outlook on what God has in store for us in this world that we live in. There are too many times that we look at things uh, simply from the human perspective, and then we tend to ignore how God is in the mix of our lives, and it's something that we have to be careful uh, of that we don't do. But I don't think that we intentionally ignore him. I don't think we intentionally ignore his work. We just get in habits of living. And it just seems to be that we get so focused on our own human circumstances that we feel like God isn't really part of our humanity. Well, we know that he is. And we have to be able to step back at times and allow him into our experience That's one of those reasons why we meet on a regular basis as we come together to church to fellowship with one another and also to connect with our Lord as he strengthens us and fills us and we want to be able to keep the right attitudes about life. Uh, We can look at both the hummingbird and the vulture. This is Thanksgiving and we're talking about hummingbirds and vultures. Now, now the, the hummingbird and the vulture, these, they, they both fly over the lands that we have here in our nation. And all that the vulture really sees is old carcasses because that's really what he's looking for. And they, they thrive on that kind of diet. And, but hummingbirds, they ignore roadkill. That's a good thing. Instead, they look for colorful, colorful flowers on plants and those things that have life in them. And the vultures live on what was. They, they're scavengers, they live on the past, and they fill themselves with what is lifeless and depleted. But hummingbirds live on what's healthy. They seek out good things, they look for good things, and uh, we also uh, need to look forward with hope as well and look for good things. It's what God has in store for us. We need to be people who bear witness of that confident peace and expectant hope God's with us. He's the Lord of our lives and he walks with us. Now, now Paul, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul here shortly. Really, this is a, a matter of attitude. It's an issue of hope. And it may be that because of your human experience, you're like the vulture. That simply means you, you need to make an adjustment on what you look for. And some are so focused on the human experience that like the vulture, they miss out on the beautiful hope that God provides for them. Hummingbird looks for what's good and healthy, and we need to do the same. Paul says something. Uh, he's in, you know, he's uh, been in prison for his faith, and we're going to look at uh, Colossians chapter three here shortly, and uh, verse fifteen to sixteen, and and he says this here. He says, "Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you're called to peace, and be thankful." This is Thanksgiving time, right? We should be thankful to the Lord for the good things He's done in our lives, whether it's we're running on the rail of difficulty or running on the rail of blessing. 
Verse 16 says, and let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I'm sure that Paul wasn't really in a comfortable situation. He could write about peace out of his experience of being in some real tough places. He faced those things, and in fact, he likely faced guilt from his past life and the things that he had done. We know that we talked about the stoning of Stephen. We've talked about the persecution that he was part of. And I imagine he still had some guilt that he dealt with and he had to hand that to the Lord. So before we go too far here, uh, we, we, you know, we're, gonna take, we're not going to take the hummingbirds too far and the vultures during Thanksgiving, but let's think about peace a little bit. Hopefully Thanksgiving can be a little, there can be a, bring a little peace in your life this coming week. Some eat turkey, others may eat some other kind of food. And, uh, and that food may bring a little bit of temporary peace as you fill yourself up with mashed potatoes and turkey and makes you want to go to sleep in the afternoon, right? All those carbs and stuff. And, and I know they say tryptophan or whatever that's in there, but uh, WebMD, by the way, says that's not accurate, that even though it has tryptophan. Others, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> we'll talk, ask Dr. Tomes here later. But, but the kind of peace here that Paul is talking about doesn't have to do with turkey and mashed potatoes. It has to be the peace that God gives. It's the peace of Christ. This is the peace that comes from expectant hope. Something that we believe that God is going to work in our lives as we open our hearts to Him. He has a plan for us. That, the peace that comes from hope can be life-changing. It can be transforming in our lives. Let Jesus' peace rule in your hearts. Paul's reminding us that peace may already be ours as followers of Jesus. It's for us. And because we have the hope of eternal life in Christ, we have that expectant hope. We receive it as we, we place our faith in Christ, yet we must also let that peace rule in our hearts and minds. It's something that we allow God to work in us. When you let that peace rule in your heart, it can change how you start seeing things around you. You work at looking for those good things that God has in store for you. It can help you change your human perspective. That's important. So Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It seems to show us that as unusual as it sounds, that peace at some level can include the practice of us letting the peace of God rule in us. And it comes back to what I said a little while ago, that there are too many times that we look at things from simply that human perspective, and we ignore God when He really is in the mix. There's some things else, there's some other things here that the Apostle Paul brings out to us. You've been called to peace. Each of us have been called to, here again, that peace still emanates from hope. It comes from that hope that expectant hope that we have as followers of Jesus, that he will receive us unto himself. We've been called to peace. We've been called towards peace first and foremost with God himself, and then we've received that peace with God, or when we've received it, 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 it makes us a little easier to obtain peace with others as well. 
After we gain our own internal peace, it makes it easier to form peace with, in our relationships and, and with, our, with our friends and family. But, but it really starts with that peace that we receive in our relationship with God. Because first and foremost, we need peace with God. And that came through Jesus Christ as we put our faith and our trust in Him. One person says it this way. He says, peace that Jesus gives is not the absence of trouble, but rather it's a confidence that He is there with you always. I am glad that He is there with me always. I'm not sure about you. Are you glad? I'm glad that He is with me always. And there's something about that kind of peace. Years ago, there was a guy that was looking for a painting that would depict peace. And he really didn't find the type of painting that he wanted. And uh, so he decided to build a contest. He made this contest in which challenged painters and artists from around uh, around the area to bring in paintings, to f uh, form and paint new paintings that would show and depict what real peace was. And so the paintings started coming in and they brought them into the gallery and then they started uh, taking the claws off of the paintings one by one. And, and the guy that put this together took the second one off. And as he opened that up, as the crowd is looking at all the paintings, he, they see this one painting, this particular painting, and there it is. Of a, it's of a powerful waterfall crashing down the side of a cliff. As powerful as those are, as destructive as those are, and this guy uh, paints this, and, and it looks, and there's a thunderstorm coming, and lightning is about ready to crash. And in the middle of this painting, you see this small, weak little tree that is growing out of the side of cliff and on that tree on one of the branches is a small bird that has built its nest there and in that nest are eggs and underneath on top of those eggs is that small bird that the mama bird that's covering those little ones and protecting them even in the midst of some turmoil that's true peace if some of you ask why why all the bird stories well it is thanksgiving week and so, but aside from that, we, we know that there is that place of peace in Christ. When we find that in Him, there's, you know, we're going to have all kinds of things that hit, hit us from the left and to the right. But we can have that peace by having confidence that the Lord is there with us no matter what we're walking through. Scripture says over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16, these words, it says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. So you need to accept that peace that he has uh, for you and that you have to trust in him in those times that seem like they're a tumult, that they seem like they're a mass and a wreck. But remember that true peace comes out of that expectant hope that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something else we need, and that's uh, to become thankful, to hold that heart of gratitude. We all need that heart of gratitude. If you look back at the passage here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you're called to peace, and be thankful, be grateful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. And then he, uh, at the last part, he says, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. We need gratitude in our hearts. We need to have that thank thankfulness in our hearts to the Lord. 
Giving thanks usually comes from something that we have experienced or something that we have not yet experienced, but maybe some others around us have. Sometimes we are thankful even in the middle of challenging times. If you think back to the, uh, the first Thanksgiving, that would be a greatest example of that. Uh, that first Thanksgiving in America, it really was those early settlers uh, giving thanks after they had faced some uh, previous de uh, devastation. In September of 1620, that small ship called the Mayflower left uh, Plymouth, England, carrying 102 passengers. It was an assortment of religious separatists seeking a new home where they could uh, freely practice their faith and also other individuals lured by the promise of prosperity and land ownership in the new world. So after this treacherous uh, crossing that lasted 66 days, I don't think that I would want to be in a ship in that day and time for 66 days. But after that, they dropped anchor near the, near the tip of Cape Cod, north of their intended destination at the mouth of the Hudson River. And one month later, the Mayflower crossed Massachusetts Bay. The pilgrims began the work of establishing a village at Plymouth. Throughout that first brutal winter, most of the colonists remained on board of a ship, on board a ship where they suffered from exposure and scurvy and other contagious diseases, only about half of them, about half of these people uh, lived to see their first New England spring. About half of them. Couldn't imagine what that would be like. Squanto taught the, the pilgrims who were weakened by malnutrition and illness how to cultivate corn, how to extract, extract uh, maple sap and to catch local fish and to avoid the, the poison plants in the area that they weren't familiar with yet. And, and so by November 1621, after Pilgrim's first successful corn harvest, William Bradford organized a celebration feast. And that first Thanksgiving lasted three days. I like that. I think we should change back. Maybe we should make some adjustments. You think we should? Somebody's going to lobby, right? <laughs> Three days, and a, a pilgrim named uh, Edward Winslow wrote in his journal that uh, Governor Bradford sent four men out trying to get some fowl for the, for the, pre for the meal, and the Wampanoag guests arrived with about five deer, and so because of the pilgrims had no oven, and the Mayflower's sugar supply was uh, pretty well depleted by this time, they didn't have pies and cakes and other desserts like we do, man. Wouldn't want to be there then. Pilgrims held their second uh, Thanksgiving celebration two years later in 1623. That one was to mark the end of a long drought that had threatened the, the year's harvest and prompted Governor Bradford to call for a religious fast, seeking God. We know from there on, days of fasting and Thanksgiving on occasion have become become common practice in New England and the other New England settlements as well. But the, these early settlers, they gave thanks even when they had faced so much loss in their lives. They had lost so much, but they still gave thanks because they had, some of them at least, had the expectant hope. They had hope in Christ and they expected that things would get better and many of them had hope in the Lord. It doesn't mean they all did, but many of them did. 
Even on their second Thanksgiving, they celebrated at the end of a drought. So we can have confident peace because we have expectant hope. We have expectant hope that He hears us. That God hears us when we pray. When we interact with Him, let's look together at what the Apostle John says over in 1 John chapter 5. You can step back and see what the Apostle John is speaking here. In verse, uh, verse 13, he says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that what if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. These are some very powerful words from the Apostle John. How is it that we gain confidence? How do we gain confidence? How is it that that confidence comes in our life? Well, usually, true confidence is built while we go through particular experiences and we start to become successful. That's one way it happens. We can look back at successes and it builds more courage and that doesn't mean that we should. We always keep that confidence in our hearts. Sometimes we have to be reminded that the Lord is there and He's a strengther of those who need help. John Sargent was an American artist and uh, he was uh, considered the leading uh, portrait painter of his generation. He died back in about 1925. And uh, he, he was known for his recreations, or not recreations, recreations of luxury, how he would paint those scenes, uh, scenes of the Edwardian time. And during his career, he created 900 oil paintings and more than 2,000 watercolors as well as other sketches and, and, and uh, charcoal drawings and those kind of things. But Sargent one time painted a panel of roses that was highly praised by those guys who were his critics. It was a small picture, but it was very good. And although he had been uh, offered a lot of money on multiple occasions, he chose not to sell that painting because it was an encouragement to him. He considered it his best work, and whenever he was discouraged and thought he wasn't able to go on in what he was doing, he'd pull that uh, painting out and he'd say, I painted that. It was a reminder, it was a success for him, and then his confidence and his ability would come back to him. But this isn't the only way confidence comes, because we're looking at confidence in our Lord. Other times, confidence is built up in our lives when other people engage us and they tell us, of how they were able to walk through a particular experience in their life. It's encouraging. It builds confidence in us. And it, it builds us up. And that's why it's so important for us to be a part of a community of faith. So that we can encourage one another in the Lord. And so that we don't run our own direction. And then are left out to dry. The Apostle John who wrote 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 lived this out. He, lit, he knew what it was to live that way because he had spent his time with Jesus. He was one of the disciples. He, he went with him in all of the times that he was performing miracles and he gained confidence. It's just John that writes these words to you by saying this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. He's saying when we pray according to His will, we can have an expectant hope that God will hear us. We can confidently pray expecting an answer. 
We have peace in our heart knowing that he hears us. Are you glad he hears us? I'm glad. Look at what the Apostle Paul says then over in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Another passage that speaks to us today. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for that peace. For whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. None of us like that one. We don't like, let's take that out of the Bible. <laughs> but we, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope does not put us to shame. Hope doesn't leave us at a loss. Hope doesn't leave us high and dry. It's, a kind, it's kind of like Paul is reminding us that even though life can provide us some very difficult circumstances, our hope in Christ won't leave us without Him high and dry. The circumstances you may be in could be from your choices. It could be from other choices, others' choices. Maybe like some of our fellow followers of Jesus in California who have lost many houses. Those who have lost two Assembly of God churches up there at least. And, uh, and I know in, in the one town that lost pretty much everything, I think they said they had about 10% left. And we I think one uh, pastor, one a Spanish pastor lost the home he was living in. The other guy, he still has his home because it was still in that 10%. What about those on the East Coast from, from the, the hurricanes and stuff? We lost 11 churches over there. Uh, and what about the other church organizations? And you look at the challenges, but we still have reason to give thanks to God. As difficult as times can be, as no matter how many things we face, we have to trust in the Lord and we need to rejoice in the great things that we see. We need, to remind, we need to be reminded of this at this time of thanksgiving, what the Apostle Paul says, is we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance. And God can use those difficult, He can use those trying you know, human circumstances that we face on a regular basis to be able to build something special in our lives. But what we must do is welcome Him into our life, right? We have to welcome Him into those situations, those scenarios that we are in, and say, God, I need you working here. I need your help. Now, it doesn't always mean that He's going to pull us out of the fire. He may choose to do that. He may leave us in there for a little while so He can build some perseverance in us. But we have to trust that He will continue to work in our lives, but we have to welcome Him into our lives. Let's welcome Him with thanksgiving. Let's look to Him this Thanksgiving. And when we get to the Thanksgiving table, no matter if it's a big spread or if it's just a can of Spam, no matter what our situation is, no matter what we do, we need to be able to stop and give Him thanks. What's really important here is what I said in the beginning, that we have to step back and let Him 
take place in our human experience. Let's be careful not to ignore Him. Hope in Christ will not put us to shame. Hope in Jesus will never put us to shame. In the end, we have to remember that He's able to take our difficult circumstances and build perseverance in us. And and He can take that perseverance that that He's forming in you and build good character. A lot of us say, God, I've got some decent character, but I don't want you to run me through the mill or allow me to be ran through the mill so I build more character. But sometimes it happens to us. Sometimes He can work that in our lives and allow allow ourselves even to see some transformation. If you want Him to build some good things in you, you have to keep in mind that you have to allow the Holy Spirit to have way in your life. He has a plan. He has a purpose for you. And He has something He wants to do in your human experience. G.K. Chesterton once wrote in the Signs of the Times, he said, hope means hoping when things are hopeless or if no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It's only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. He's kind of reminding us here that when it's, it's ho- true hope is only when things have w- fell apart. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't have hope in good times too and that we shouldn't look to Him in good times. We should always look to the Lord, whether it's in good or bad times. But we have to remember more than anything that He is there. All we have to do at times is move ourselves closer to Him. It's not that He moves away from us as much as it is as we move away from Him. And sometimes in these holiday times as we come up to Thanksgiving and to and Christmas and New, Year and all, New Year's and all these holidays that come together for us, it's important for us to remember who we are. That He's chosen us. He's called us. He loves us. And He wants us to be His people. And He wants us to remember that He's, he's our God and He cares for us. Would you stand with me this morning? As we wrap this up this morning, We need to listen to what the psalmist writes over in chapter 146, verse 5, and he says this, Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. We need to continue to let Him have place in our lives and continue to place your hope in Him. Because He is faithful, God's got our back. He's got our back. Sometimes it may seem like that you're out there and you're just floating by yourself. And you may feel that way, but that does not mean that's what's happening. We have to trust in Him that He does have our back and that He cares for us. At this time of year, remember, He's got your back. When all the holidays are gone and we're in the middle of one of those holiday less months, (laughs) He's there. He's willing to keep us in the palm of His hand. We need to stay in His presence. We need to stay connected with Him. And we can. He has a plan for your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning. We thank You that You are bigger than any need we have. You are thankful. You are more, you are more, you are stronger than any problem we may face. But Father God, what we are glad of is that when we pray, that You hear us. That when we pray according to Your will, 
us. You listen to us. You interact with us. You help us. You give us hope. You give us freedom. Father God, we thank you for your grace. And we ask you to continue to do your work in us this Thanksgiving week. Help us to keep the right focus as we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen.